is Oyema, which is quite difficult for people yes. to pronounce. Can we go again, try it? The sure. Oyema, sure. No, you know, it's really funny because the Oyema yeah. is not vowels that we use in English, okay. in, in American English. The U- yeah. Oyema is a, it's my, my whole mouth is going, wait, what are you trying to make me say? <laughs> what, what, what sound do you want to come out of it right now? <laughs> so, yeah, Oyema. There's not, I can't even think of a word. Oyema. Oi, I mean, we could say oi vey, which is okay. a Jewish saying, which means, okay. oh my gosh. So it's oi uh, vey, but, yeah. but that's the closest oi, oi, I've heard That's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's yeah. nice to meet you, oi, oi, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Um, um, um <laughs> thank you so much for uh, joining us on the podcast today. It feels so great to have um you with us. It's um I look forward to having very interesting conversation with you. Oh, good. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm excited yeah, to be here. I'm really thank thanks for the interest. Yeah. You know, you are such an amazing person. Um, you have a remarkable story. Sincerely, I was really, I was really moved when I came to know you, uh, and also the wonderful work that you're doing. You know, mm. yeah, I, I believe as an HRO leader, um, the experience you have during or you had during the course of your career and the observations you took notice of, no doubt, helped set you out on a journey to change how we support and provide assistance to friends, family members, or co-workers who are dealing with serious health challenges. Um, talk to us about why you why you started the work you're doing. It, um, it was actually, it's really funny. It felt like a very natural transition um, because, you know, uh, my husband, you know, my husband had cancer. Yeah. And uh, at the time we had kids who were four, seven and nine. So they were really young and I knew I needed help. I just didn't realize how much help I needed. And thank goodness for my friends and family members and, you know, bosses and coworkers who came to say, hey, you need this. You need to do this. You need to let us, you know, take the kids. You need to let us give rides to your husband to the cancer treatment center. You need someone to fix that light in your kid's room that's about to fall down. <laughs> you know, it was it was those little things that really made a difference. And what I noticed is that some people knew exactly what to do and other people didn't have a clue. They just didn't know. And then the cancer came back a little less than two years later and my husband died. And as, you know, I started the journey as a widow and working through and walking through grief, um, which, by the way, you're never really done walking through. It just gets a little bit. It changes the the resistance of walking through. It changes. Um, I, again, noticed the same thing. It was the exact same phenomenon. Some people knew exactly what to do and how to show up and what to say to comfort myself and my children. Other people just didn't have a clue. And I realized, you know, if the, you know, the, 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 the the statistic is that one in three of us is going to get cancer before we die. And I began to think, well, if one of three of us is going to get cancer, the other two need to know how to support, you know, support that one. Yeah. Um, so when I started looking back on what people had done for us, there's some themes that, that 
really started to show up. One was many of the people who did stuff for us didn't even know what they were doing was going to be helpful. And so I have one friend who um, there's a farmer's market out here that I used to see her at all the time. And after my husband died, I sometimes would go and sometimes I wouldn't. But she would always pick up these. I used to love these Gerber daisies. And she would always pick up these Gerber daisies and drop them on my doorstep and with these little honey sticks for the kids. And she would never she'd never ring the doorbell. She wouldn't say, hi, I'm here. She wouldn't make it a big deal. She just would stop by the house, drop off the flowers. And sometimes I'd see her and most of the time I wouldn't even know that she'd been there until I opened up the door till later. Um, you know, there was another friend the second time my husband was sick. She suggested that we put a cooler by the front door. So something that could keep the food cold or warm, depending on what it was, so that I wouldn't have to answer the door because well-meaning people would be like, how are you? And what's going on? You know, tell me. Oh, poor Kim. And yeah. sometimes, sometimes it, that takes a lot of energy to talk to people, um, especially, you know, in the early stages of grief. And, and so her suggestion was brilliant. And so what, what I realized, I just wanted to let other people know, uh, oh, wait, but, and then the final step is, you know, I'm not doing what I'm doing because I'm courageous or strong or brave or any of those things, you know, I'm doing it because of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of things people did for myself, my husband and our kids that's, that set this foundation of sorts that allowed me to have the courage to keep going, to keep moving, to move forward. Um, and so I really wanted people to know how important what they do matters. And I wanted people to know how easy it is to support somebody. You don't have to make meals every Monday for the next six months because that's what I used to think. I used to think if I'm going to help, I needed to get in there and help. And what I found was, you know, doing one thing once or doing one th one really quick thing lots of times, like the person who left flowers at my door is just so helpful and and, and it's not, you know, the flowers by the door is not a traditional way that we think about helping. But every single time she left the flowers by the door, what she was yeah. saying was, I'm thinking about you. I care about you. I'm sorry this is happening to you. Yeah. I hope these flowers will brighten your day. That's a gift. Interesting. Interesting. Really amazing. And Personally, I've also had recently uh, a friend of mine just lost um, her dad to cancer. And, yeah, I think the funeral is this month. Yeah, sometime this month. Yeah, so um, you know when her dad was in the hospital, I, you know, she invited me. She was like, uh, she's also a colleague at work. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So interesting stuff. She's a colleague, a neighbor. So she was like. I asked about um, her dad and how he was doing and how the family generally, you know, um, was coping with the situation. And so uh, she was like, why don't you come and see him for yourself in the hospital? Yeah, and I was like, oh, cool, I'm, I'm going to do that. And so one day we went to the hospital and, you know, I met him. Yeah, you know, I actually felt he was actually really going through pains. You know, it actually right. brought me, yeah. It made me to start thinking about a lot of things about life and how 
it is good that we reach out to people who show support and assistance. Uh, I am not a very good conversationist. You know, I'm a very shy person. You know, I still I keep to myself a lot of even at work. You know, right. a lot of time. Yeah, a lot of time. So this is a situation that really um calls for me to be very sympathetic and i didn't know how to go about it you know i didn't know how to ex i don't know how to express my feelings very well you know so i was you know he was talking you know he yeah talking so little and i didn't know what to say or what to do you know i really thought but at the end of the he himself got to understand the challenge i was having and he made it the whole situation he made the meeting very easy for me and yeah. you know, look relax is nothing so at the end of the day his demeanor actually impacted on me and at the end of the day we now had a smooth conversation and though sadly we lost him but you know the memories of the conversations we had the things he said you know keeps um i kept them to heart you know yeah um you why do you think people struggle with what to do or say when um having a meeting or you know when situations like this occur i think we're just not trained you know it's not like yeah. you know we're we grow up and we're taught to say thank you right but we're never taught what to say when someone is in pain um, yeah. And I think it's so interesting to hear you say it because you live in a different country and it's still the same thing. <laughs> you know, it's it's yeah. not a it's it's not a a American or a, it's not a it's not a country cultural phenomenon. It yeah. happens all over the world. Yeah. I think the first of all, what you did was great, because the first thing is keep in mind that most people would not have done that. Right. They would have been like, nope too uncomfortable, don't want to talk to someone who's dying, yeah, not going. Yeah, so yeah. kudos to you for going. And your shyness, even if you do keep to yourself, is not unusual because, again, people don't know what to say. Yeah. Um, and I think it comes from, you know, we accidentally, we, we, we get so embarrassed that we don't know what to say. We make it about us. And not about the person who's dealing with the cancer, yeah. right? So so we think, oh my gosh, I'm going to say something that's going to be stupid. I'm going to embarrass myself. I'm going to make this person cry. I'm going to make them feel bad. And the one thing you can see throughout all those statements is I'm going to, right? Oh, it's all yeah, about no. me. Yeah, when the reality is all about the person <laughs> who is dealing with this this loss or this yeah. the dying. Um, and I think we forget that. We get so in our own heads that we forget that that's not why we're here. We're not here to make ourselves feel better. Although having good quality conversations with someone who's in, in pain like that yeah. does make us feel really good. So um, I think that we, you know, we get in our heads, we feel ashamed, we feel afraid, and that fear gets smack in the middle of us actually being what I like to say, being a human being and not a human doing. Um, so what you did was absolutely great. You went in, you didn't know what to say. And, yeah. and, you know, he was graceful enough and probably not in a lot of pain at that point to kind of help you move along. But yeah. I always advise people just talk like you don't have to talk about 
you know, you could have talked about his daughter and what she's doing at work, yeah, you yeah, know, and yeah. shared some fun, I, yeah. you know, I'm Are sure you got points? to the point where you shared some funny yeah. stories about her. Right. Yeah, and yeah. that probably brought a great amount of light to his face yeah. and to the moment yeah. because he's like, my daughter's a good person. I love her. I feel so grateful that she's in my life. Right. That yeah. gratitude feeling starts to go. You know, I had a friend who um, would call me after my husband died. She'd call me on Wednesday and leave a message of joke. And some people thought that was really inappropriate. And I thought it was brilliant because okay. that's the sort of relationship we had. It was sort of this very jokey kind of relationship. So I always advise take whatever relationship you have with that person and just be that be that person that relationship if you had met him at a party you would have said nice to meet you you would have talked and then you would have talked probably about his daughter right and that he would have asked you questions about yourself Uh and it would have been this easy banter which um, you told said eventually that's what happened yeah that was so yeah so that's what you really want to think about when you're talking to someone with cancer or going through loss it doesn't always have to be about them or how they're feeling and honestly Sometimes they're tired of talking about themselves. They're tired of telling people how they feel. They would love for you to tell them a joke that would make them laugh. You know, yeah, they would love for yeah. you to tell them a funny story that happened to that happened to you on the way to work yesterday. Right. They, you know, and so um, I, I just always advise just be yourself. And I know that sounds weird if you don't know someone very well, but consider what would you say to them if you were at a party or if you had just met yeah. them? Um, but I'm also really impressed that you went, I have to, I really want to double back on that because a lot of people would have walked away and said, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh-huh. then make excuses as to why they couldn't make it. Exactly. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I couldn't make it. I tried a couple times, you know, and that's not true. What they're, what they're not talking about is they were terrified of going exactly. and they let their own fear get in the way of, of being there for somebody yeah. else. I think that's the thing that I want people to also remember. It takes courage to show up for someone who's having a difficult time. It's not about, you know, ego or being really, it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. It's even uncomfortable for me when I, you know, I've been doing this for years now. And there are times when a person, you know, when someone I care about is having a difficult time and I have to remember that it's not about me and that it does take courage because it's hard to sit with someone else's pain. It doesn't, you know, it's not, it's not fun. Um, But man, when you do that, you connect on such a deeper level that we're all searching for. In a way that's so beautiful and so kind. I mean, I'm sure your friend is like so pleased that you went. Definitely, be- yeah. Because she did probably offer that to other people who didn't go. Of course, yes, yes, and that's true. Yeah, yeah. You know, she told me um, instances of um, some excuses that other persons made. You know, as to why they couldn't make it. She was really grateful. She appreciated me a, a lot for. Yeah. You know, for yeah, for showing up. I I think I can remember when when he eventually died. I was actually the first person she called on the phone. So yeah, so to give me tell tell me of oh, I lost my dad finally. You know, you're the first yeah. person I'm telling, and you know, yeah. So that that's to tell you how um I think how with going to visit. That yeah in hospital bed yeah now it, I I came across your websites you know uh 100 acts of love and um, what not to say yeah are there things that you consider inappropriate to say to someone who is going through um such difficult 
situations? So the number one thing I tell people never to say is don't say, if you need anything, let me know, or any version of that. And it feels like, it feels like it's really helpful. I know it's very, you're like, oh no, yeah, I said yeah. it. Yep, look, we, we've, I, when, when, I, when I do presentations, I say, okay, everyone, now that you know the wrong phrase, take the stick that you have in your hand, hit yourself in the back with it, and then throw the stick away. Because yeah, we, we didn't yeah. know it wasn't helpful. We just didn't know. People yeah. don't know. And it, sound, it really does. It comes from the heart. You really do yeah. want to help someone. You yeah, really do. Yeah. And you don't know what to do, so you want them to tell you what to do. But that's precisely the problem with that statement. So the first problem with that statement is that it doesn't touch on the moment. It goes into actual doing, which is very powerful. It's really powerful to help, but it doesn't acknowledge what's actually happening in the moment, which this person is just told you they have cancer, just told you their child died, just told you their boss died, right? They're kind of in shock. And it takes you, you really need to take a breath just to stand with them in that moment. And you can say something like, you know, I'm so sorry. So that's the first thing. The second thing about that statement is, what is anything? Like, really, if you came to my house and you said, hey, Kim, I'm happy to do anything, I would be like, "Ah." you know, like, what is anything? Yeah, it's it's very big. Exactly. Exactly. Like if you have a baby and I said anything, well, did you mean did did I mean that I would come and clean, like change diapers? Is that what I meant? Or did I mean I'd be happy to run out and get some formula or to babysit for an hour or and babysit for only an hour, not a whole day. Right. Because that's not really what I meant. I meant an hour. Right. So. So what is anything? Anything is too big a word for anybody to wrap their heads around. And even though you said anything, you didn't really mean anything. Mean anything. You have your personal limits of what you're willing to do. Yeah, and I'm able to do as well. Exactly, exactly. So that's the second reason it's not a great phrase. The third reason it's not a great phrase is now you've put the pressure on the person who's already under a great amount of pressure to figure out, to take apart their day and find one thing. (laughs) Exactly. They would want you to do, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So I'm already out of my mind crazy with whatever is happening in my life. And now I'm supposed to sit down and and run around my house and be like, they can do, I don't know, you know. And that's a lot of work, yeah. Exactly. And then you're asking them, you know, I, when I do, when I give presentations, I have everyone, I said, raise your hand if you're really, if you like to help people and 99% of the room put their hand up. Right. And then I say, keep your hand up if you're good at accepting help. And 98% of that room puts their hand down. There's only a few people who's like, yeah, you know, I'm good at accepting help. We are not good in general of saying, yes, I need some help. Thank you. And I, I don't know what it's like where you are, but in the United States, you know, that's not one of our strong suits. Yeah, we're very yeah. good at being like, we've got this, but we're yeah. not good at saying, or we'll come in and help you, but we're not good at saying we need help. And so we forget that now that we've said, if you need anything, let me know. We are now asking that person after they found that, figured out that one thing that they think they can do. So we're now asking that person to come to us to do that and ask that one thing that they need right now. And for us to go, oh, um, 
that wasn't quite what I had in mind or, you know, to risk the rejection. So it's not a great phrase because in the end, anything is too big and you, you have now left the pressure on the person to ask for help, which is something that even on our best days, we are not often very good at. Interesting thoughts. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, this kind of information it's coming at the right time it's coming at the right time and you know that's what this podcast is all about we want people to get to have access to these kinds of information because at the end of the day we all want to live better lives we want to make better decisions we want to experience the life that we love and when providing care and support we want to do it in a way that will be beneficial both to us and the people that we're providing yes so no, and and that kind of brings me to the the boss employee relationship. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, leaders in the workplace. How can yeah, how can they balance the employees' need for support and the team's need to get work done? You know, this now falls on the shoulders of who is a boss. You know, how yes. can they do this? Yeah. Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, so one of the things that we forget is we think that productivity, doing your job and doing it well and efficiently, is not compatible with empathy. What happens a lot of time with bosses is they think that Um, I can't be empathetic because if I'm empathetic, then I feel really sorry for them and I can't possibly ask them to get the work done that they need to get done. So if I let that empathy in, that's not going to do anybody any good. So I've got to kind of put pressure on them. I've either got to ignore the problem or I've got to put pressure on them to do the work. So I have a five-step process where I walk uh, managers through ways to equally support the employee who's dealing with this crisis right now, but also to get work done. So the first thing is knowing what to say. So we now know what not to say. And um, I always tell people there's two things that you can, like there's, there's a million things that you can say. And when you um, look at what not to say, you can look at what to say. So the one thing is you want to say something that's going to get you connected with the employee. And that simply can be something like, I'm so sorry this is happening, or I cannot believe this is happening, or I don't know what to say, right? And I don't know what to say is a great phrase because it is what they're going through does leave you speechless. It's like, I don't like, how is it happening to you? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So So that's a first step. The second step is I call feel a uh, deal with the feel and that is deal with the feelings that are coming up from you. And the great example I give is you have a day at work and it's a bad day and you come home and you're in a bad mood and those around you deal with that bad mood that you're in. Like unless you're really good at calming yourself down and not taking it out on people that emotion leaks out of you onto those unsuspecting people. The same thing happens when you have an employee who's dealing with cancer. You have thoughts and feelings, and if you don't deal with them, they will leak out in your relationship with them. Now, some managers feel shameful for some feelings that they have. It's not uncommon for a manager to be pissed 
that an employee has this disease that is now going to affect the outcome, their goals. That is perfectly an okay feeling to have. The problem with that feeling is not the feeling. The problem is we we equate that feeling that we shouldn't have, so we feel shame about it, so we try to hide it. And so what I always say to managers is you need to get these feelings out of your head and onto paper. I want I tell my managers, you need to write. I want you to write how pissed off you are this person has cancer. I want you to write how fearful you are that that the that the project you're working on is not going to be on time. Yeah. I want you to write how 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 dumb you feel because you have no really good backup right now. So everything is left with this person. Like get all that stuff out on paper. The other thing to get out on paper is the stereotypes we hold about what the person is going through. We have stereotypes we hold about cancer, what it means, what a person's ability is, how they're going to look if they have cancer. And we have stereotypes about, you know, about grief. And also we have stereotypes about what they should and should. We have thoughts about what we think we would do if they we were in their position. And those thoughts can get in the way of you managing your employee well, because, you know, we get judgmental. Well, if I were in her shoes, I would do, I wouldn't do what she's doing. I would do X, Y, and Z. And it's really important. Again, you get those out of your head because the minute you start getting judgmental with how your employee is managing what they're doing and you think they should, they shouldn't be on chemo or you think they should be on chemo or they shouldn't go see, you know, the acupuncturist, whatever, um, that, that, that off the, you know, off the, off the grid doctor, it's none of your business and it doesn't, and, but it does, it will interfere with how you treat them. So that's step number two. Step number three is I, what I often see is managers sort of jumping in and making decisions without understanding what is actually happening. So it's really making the point to assess the situation. If your employee has cancer, how are they going to be out the whole time? Are they going to be working part-time? Um, when are they going to get chemo? Are they getting chemo? Is it just surgery? Is it, is it, is it radiation? Like there's, there, there are 200 plus cancers out there and there are just as many ways to treat them. So in our heads, we think they're going to be out of work. They're going to chemo. They're going to lose their eyebrows, their hair, everything else. And they're not going to be able to work. But we don't know that until we ask those questions. So in the United States, we cannot ask an employee um, about their treatment. We can't say what kind of chemo treatment are you getting. But what we can say is, are you going to need any time off to take care of yourself? And when is that time off going to be? And are there going to be any, do you anticipate any side effects from taking care of yourself, right? So we can, you can ask, you can even ask those questions directly, or you can ask in a roundabout way. They may say, hey, I'm going to be getting chemo on Thursdays, so I'm probably not going to be able to, they said the side effects will really kick in on Saturday, so I may not be able to come to work on Monday. So Tuesday through Thursdays, you know, afternoon is when I can work, right? So understanding that. Understanding your team, what's happening on your team right now? Who's doing what work? Who do you think can take on more work? What kind of work can they take on, right? So really getting a good assessment of, of what your team. And the other thing is understanding how your company offers, you know, what kind of support your company offers. Yeah. So in the U.S., we have we have governmental support, not a lot, but it's there. Um, we have, you know, and then there's companies who can support your employees dealing with cancer in various different ways. So once you have that full picture, then you're able to move on to step four, 
which is taking thoughtful action. And that thoughtful action ranges. It's, it's, you know, if the employee hasn't told their team member during the assessment, you find out if they want the team members to know. And then then when you're taking thoughtful action, you're putting together the communication plan. So maybe they don't want everyone to know that they're having that they have cancer. So maybe the message is this person is ill and is going to be taking every Thursday, is going to be leaving work Thursday afternoon and will be coming back in on Mondays. So that's the message that goes out to the team. The other message that goes out to the team is you don't get to ask them what's wrong. Here are some things that you can say to the person who's dealing with this issue. Here are some things you can't say. I had a client. I had a client and she was like, I don't want anybody asking me how bad it is. Like, I don't want someone asking me, are you going to die? That was something she was like, I don't want anyone asking me that. She also didn't want the people coming up to her. And uh, for those of you who can't see, it's like, you know, putting putting your arm on their shoulder and being like all big puppy dies. And how are you? She didn't want anyone kind of fawning over her in that way. So we put that message out to everybody about what she wants. And so it was it was a great team effort that everyone knew this is what I can say. This is what I can't say. So you're doing the team favor. Another great thing you can do during this um, during this um, thoughtful action is you can set put together a work plan. If the employee is going to be out every Thursday afternoon and not back in on Monday and not able to check emails or anything else during the weekend, then who how is the work going to shift on your team? And then how do you talk to your team about the work shift? And right. And how do you talk the and make sure you're checking in with the with the person who's dealing with the difficulty, you know, not just once, but, you know, you have a schedule which you're checking in with them to make sure that they're still capable of doing the work. And that's where the productivity, productivity and the empathy come in together and work together, because if your employee knows that you care about them, that you want to make sure that they're being taken care of. And they also know you still have a job to do, like you still have to meet goals. You can have a good conversation with them. And if they're not doing the work that you both agreed that they would do, then you either adjust or you make other arrangements. Right. Yeah. So so it's it's a really nice place to sit down and have a conversation with your employee and the employee gets to go, whew, this chemo is knocking me to left field. So I don't know. I think I might have to take Monday off, too. Um, but I've only got three more rounds, so it'll be a couple weeks of that. And then the doctor says it's going to take me two to three weeks to get this stuff out of my system. So I probably will be able to go back to going back to working on Mondays at X amount of date, right? So it's just having those conversations. And then the last, the last step is really just it's it's sort of like a rinse and repeat is what I call it. Is you know constantly making those adjustments and um, you know talking to your talking to your team. The other thing I highly recommend that people do is if you're using an employee engagement tool like a survey or something to survey your team before the person is sick or announces that they have cancer or right at the beginning, and survey your team during it and survey your team afterwards, because that will provide you a lot of information about how you're doing and managing the crisis at hand. Um, Employees start to quit way before they quit. 
And what I've seen a lot happen is teams that mismanage the situation. They don't just lose the employee that they really don't care about and it's not doing great work. They also lose key stakeholders because the because what the managers forget in the is that the employees are watching. Yeah. And if you're True. if you haven't laid out what your reaction plan is and how you're going to talk to them and what you're going to do, you will probably lose employees within the yeah. next year or two who have lost respect for you and don't want to work for a company that doesn't care. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's very crucial. We really need to have a kind of reframe the way we um, deal with people who are going through challenges in the workplace to better benefit everybody. You know, and you you actually touched on on it on the question I wanted to ask is them do all people with cancer stop working? Do they have to quit? Right. No. Um, so forty six percent of those who are diagnosed with cancer are between the ages of twenty five and sixty four, which are prime working years. Yeah. Um, so that's something my managers say, oh, I haven't had to deal with cancer. I'm like, dude, it's just a matter of time, <laughs> right? You know, um, and then and then with the advent of cancer treatments, they are getting more and more refined um, with the introduction of immunotherapy treatments, which is another way that they're treating cancer and that's not as toxic as chemo. Employees can work. It depends on the stage of cancer. If they have, you know, stage two and it hasn't spread all over their bodies and they're not getting chemo, they're only getting radiation and it's surgery, they can work. If it's just surgery and then coming in for tests every three weeks to make sure it hasn't spread anywhere for a little bit, they can work. Right. So it's so I think that we often forget, like our stereotype of somebody with cancer is bald. Like, we, you know, we've seen it on TV. We've seen it on TikTok and and Instagram. You know, the person who's fighting cancer, they've got the port in their thing and they have no hair and they have no eyebrows and they wear hats and they're always in sweaters because they're always cold. So yeah. that that is true for many people with cancer, but it is not true for all people with cancer. And so that's why that talk about really visiting your own personal stereotypes that you have about what it means to have cancer or what it means to to lose somebody is really important because your employee may be working with cancer, in which case you have to really get comfortable with it. Amazing. Interesting. Um, you have actually provided us with a lot of information and timely one for that matter. You know, um, I have one last question for you. Um, considering everything you've just said, what is the one big great lesson you want everyone listening to this episode to know? I want everyone to know how much they matter. There's no such thing as there's nothing I can say or do that will make them feel better because it's simply not true. We walk through this life wanting to be noticed, wanting someone to witness our journey, yeah. right? And we want people to show up. I mean, we, we see this. We, we want people to show up for weddings really important. That's part of the journey. It's witnessing. And families really want people to show up when there's a death and there's a funeral service because it's witnessing the loss, right? It's witnessing the grief. And everything in between we want too. 
And I think sometimes we forget because we're in our own heads and we're thinking about the mistake we made yesterday or we're comparing ourselves to someone on Instagram or we're not quite there yet. You know, we keep thinking that that we need to better ourselves in one form or another so that we can be to this place to get happy. And what I have found in my own life is that happiness is an inside job. And so it happens from internally. And I am not an important person. Like I'm not someone who's like, you know, I can't change policies. <laughs> you know, I can't, I don't run companies. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not the mayor of LA, but what I can do, I am an important person in the people's lives that I know. And that includes the mailman who I say hi to every day, yeah. you know, the UPS driver, right? It includes all those people I've contact with. And I think that we forget that we have the power to make someone's day better, easier, lighter by simply acknowledging them and ha- and just, you know, whether you're acknowledging their what's going on in their lives or you're just saying, hi, how are you today? That's the key. So I want people to know how much they matter. Because if people didn't know how much they mattered, I wouldn't be doing this work. I would probably, I mean, I'd be recovering, but I wouldn't be recovering as well and with such wholeness from my husband's death if it hadn't been for all the people who showed up and, you know, kept saying, you matter to us and that's why we're giving you the lasagna. You matter to us and that's why we're taking the kids for the weekend. You matter for us and that's why we're going to come clean your toilets. You matter for us and that's why we're going to, you know, draw, that's why we're going to fly across country to spend some time with your husband, right? So I think that's the, I mean, it's it's a long-winded way, but I just want people to know how, how influential they are to their friends, their family, just the way you showed up. You mattered. Yeah. You know, and I want to bring that right back down to you. She asked you some to do something. She said you in asking that you she said to you, you matter to me. To me. Yeah. And then in your showing up, you said to yeah, her, you uh, matter to me. To me. And oh. you said to him, you matter to me, even though I don't know what hell I'm doing and I don't know what to say. Yeah, what to say. <laughs> you know? True. And so you gave her, you know, this this is a gift that she's gonna remember. For a very, very, it doesn't matter what happens in your relationship. She's going to remember for a very long time. She's going to remember this guy who came to visit her father. And it was the first person she called after her father died because she felt connected to him. That's what she's going to remember. And she's going to remember that you made her feel like she mattered, like her journey mattered. Her pain mattered. That is what I want everyone to know that they have the ability to do. Yeah, we all matter. We, in, in numerous ways, we really do matter. And I, people shouldn't shy away from showing care and support to people who are having health challenges. Yeah, and knowing the right things to say and the things not to say is also very important. Like I really loved this conversation with you. Um, you you combining your personal experience with your professional knowledge and leadership skills. You launched 100 Acts of Love, a consultancy that provides tools to help leaders increase team productivity, trust, and engagement when cancer affects the whole team. That's an amazing work you're doing. That's very (laughs) amazing. And I really want people to know that this kind of medium exists for them to, yeah, get to know what to do better. So at the end of the day, we 
manage ourselves well, we'll provide support, we show that we matter. Um, yes. So, uh, yeah. And how, how can the audience reach out to you in case perhaps, of course, people have questions, they want to ask, people want advice, we can't know it all at once. You know, as time goes on, as days goes by, situations come, challenges come, and, you know, the, the scenarios are different. So they may want to ask questions that um, would help them better um, manage situations and provide support and care. How can they reach you? So there's a couple ways. Um, first of all, I'm on LinkedIn and also on Instagram. And on Instagram, I'm at 100 Acts of Love. So you can reach out and message me there. On LinkedIn, I um, am relaunching. I do these LinkedIn Lives. So if you message me on LinkedIn and you have a yeah. question, I am happy to answer it. And I will probably even answer it on LinkedIn Live on one of my lives because you're not the only person with that question ever. Okay. Um, so that's another way. The other thing yeah. is, you know how I mentioned there's one thing not to say. Well, I actually yeah. have a download where there are four other common wrong phrases that we often use when we're trying to be supportive to someone who we have can who has dealing with cancer or loss so you can go to my website and order that and that is I mean, just it's sorry not order but download it it's free yeah, um, yeah. and that's at 100actsoflove.com that's the number 100actsoflove.com backslash what not to say so that's very simple what not to say yeah. um, you'll you'll learn the four other phrases never to say and you will learn also what to say instead because I think that's I don't want to just tell you what not to say I want to give you the tools so you know what to say next time that yeah. situation comes up for you so those are the best ways to reach out to me um, and I do my book is available on Amazon um, unfortunately I'm just shipping right now within the US and uh, Canada but uh, there is an ebook available on my website that can go anywhere in the world okay amazing yeah because i also actually wanted to ask about your book um, you also wrote a book yeah so so it's on amazon and definitely people can get access to that and read and get knowledge as well honestly i can't thank you enough for showing up you know for <laughs> meeting with us today i honestly can't thank you enough and um, I wish you didn't have other items on your schedule. I would have actually loved this conversation to go on. And, uh, <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> but the good thing is that, yeah, the good thing is that we can always um, have other times to meet and have conversations like this in the future. And I actually, absolutely, yeah, I do look forward to such times. Kim, I really appreciate you. I thank you so much for joining us today and keep up the good work and trust me i'm joining you on this journey yeah and uh, oh I yay to... <laughs> i i'm going to be an uh, evangelist of um 100 acts of love <laughs> yeah you have to spread the message you know it has to go far and wide yeah people need to have this mental shift you know want the world to be a better place yeah yes we want to make yeah. the world a better place for sure absolutely absolutely well thank you so much i really appreciate being here and if you have any specific question dealing with your situation feel free to reach out to me because i'm i'd be more i would be honored to be able to help you absolutely absolutely thank you once again yeah it was really amazing having you on the show well thank you so much yeah, all right take care bye-bye yeah bye